Hey everybody, welcome to Come Follow Me Daily Dose. I'm Lindsay Hansen and today is November 19th. Today we're going to continue on in this week's Come Follow Me block, but we're actually going to continue into section 134. Now I understand that I am skipping over a lot of really great things in section 133, but I felt like if I didn't move on today, then we wouldn't get to some of these really great things in section 134. So make sure that in your personal studies, you really dive into the rest of section 133 and see what we can learn about about the Savior's second coming and the plan of salvation there. So just a little bit of background on section 134. This section was given in 1835. And this section is very different from a lot of the other sections in the Doctrine and Covenants. This section wasn't given by the Lord directly to Joseph Smith, and it wasn't even written by Joseph Smith. It was written by Oliver Cowdery. Joseph was off doing missionary work and not even present, but Oliver Cowdery wrote this and it was voted and sustained and ratified by the bulk of the church leadership. And so they ended up including it in the Doctrine and Covenants. But what we need to understand about the history going on right here is that this was in 1835, right at the heart of the Missouri conflict. They're being kicked out of Missouri. They're having all these issues and problems, and they're having people ask them what they believe about the government. Now, imagine that must have been a hard pill to swallow. It must have been hard to be humble about that because here they are being exterminated by the governor of the state. The law enforcement isn't helping them. Their leaders aren't seeming to help them. They've gone to the president of the United States himself, and he's not helping them. It must have been hard for them to be humble about their feelings on the government. If it would have been me, I probably would have clapped back quite a bit. But here, Oliver Cowdery is going to teach us what we believe and what we should believe and what we should feel about established government. If it's not already, this section should be cross-referenced to the article of faith number 12 when it says, we believe in being subject to kings, presidents, rulers, and magistrates in obeying, honoring, and sustaining the law. Now, I love that that article of faith is not exclusive. It's not saying we believe in being subject to the president and to the Congress. It's very inclusive and it's including all sorts of governments. And we're going to see that as well in verse number one of section 134. It says, we believe that governments were instituted of God for the benefit of man. Notice it doesn't say we believe that the government This is not an exclusive thing. This is not just the United States of America. Rather, we believe that all government was instituted by God for the benefit of man. Now, last I checked, there were listeners of this podcast in almost 80 countries. Vast, vastly different government types in these countries. And we do believe that all types of government were established by God to benefit man. But sometimes it doesn't necessarily feel like our government is benefiting us. Sometimes there are extremely corrupt governments. But I think it's important to recognize that we do believe that governments were given to us for the benefit of man. That doesn't mean that all leaders are given to us for the benefit of man. 
the idea of government, the idea of a sustaining body, the idea of someone to keep law and peace is a principle that God has given us. But it doesn't mean that everyone will obey those principles and will reign in a Christ-like way. We see that even in the Book of Mormon where they say, you know what, I'm not going to be a king because oftentimes kings become corrupt. And if a king becomes corrupt, it brings all the people down. But rather, we're going to do this a different way. God has ordained governments to bless us, but it's contingent on people being led and guided by God. And I love that he recognizes that here in the next part of the verse. It says, and that he holds men accountable for their acts in relation to them, both making laws and administering them for the good and safety of society. So he holds the leaders accountable for what they're doing for the safety of their society, but he also holds men accountable for what they do in honoring and sustaining the government. These verses go on to say, we believe that no government can exist in peace except such laws are framed and held inviolate as will secure to each individual the free exercise of conscience, the right and control of property, and the protection of life. So these inalienable rights. Verse 3, we believe that all governments necessarily require civil officers and magistrates to enforce the laws of the same and that such as will administer the law in equity and justice should be sought for and upheld by the voice of the people, if a republic or the will of the sovereign. Now, probably my favorite verse here in the beginning of this section says, we believe that religion is instituted of God and that men are amenable to him and to him only for the exercise of it. Now, again, I love how all-inclusive that statement is. It doesn't say we believe that our religion is instituted of God. It says we believe that religion in general, the worship of God is instituted of God and that men should be able to do it as they see fit. In that principle, we see another article of faith. Article of Faith 11 says, we claim the privilege of worshiping almighty God according to the dictates of our own conscience and allow all men the same privilege. Let them worship how, where, or what they may. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't spread the gospel, that we don't teach the gospel, that we don't invite others to learn of the gospel, but it does mean that we respect the agency of people to worship how and where and they see fit. Joseph Smith once said, it has been demonstrated that I have been willing to die for a Mormon. I am bold to declare before heaven that I am just as ready to die in defending the rights of a Presbyterian, a Baptist, or a good man or woman of any denomination, for the same principle which would trample upon the rights of the Latter-day Saints would trample upon the rights of the Roman Catholics or any other denomination who may be unpopular and too weak to defend themselves. It is a love of liberty which inspires my soul civic and religious liberty to the whole of the human race. My friends, we believe that truth can be found in lots of places, and we believe that all truth is part of the restoration of the gospel. And so we respect and we honor the rights and the opportunities and the blessings and the privileges of all men and women to worship God how they see fit. 
to practice the religion that they believe and that they love, just like we would want them to respect the practice of our religion, how we believe and how we see fit. This goes hand in hand with Elder Oak's last talk in conference, where he talked about the benefits of church. He never said our church, but rather he invited anyone of any religion to return to their religion, to return to church and to obtain the blessings that God is willing to offer anyone of any religion who is willing to worship him and to come unto him. In a separate talk years ago, Elder Oaks said, religious liberty is the oldest of the internationally recognized human rights, providing motivation, precedent, and support for growth of other freedoms, such as the freedom of speech, the press, and assembly. For many of the Founding Fathers and for many Americans today, religious liberty is the basic civil liberty because faith in God and His teachings and the active practice of religion are the most fundamental guiding realities of life. Thus, for many citizens, religious liberty provides the reason all other civil liberties are desired. My friends, I testify that our Father in Heaven blesses us with these incredible principles the principle of government, the principle of religion, so that he can protect us and bless us. The principle of government allows us our agency when that principle is done correctly and righteously. And the principle of religion will draw us back to him. It's my testimony that as we honor those principles, that as we support and sustain the law, and as we use our agency to worship him and to draw nearer to him, we will experience the joy and the peace that he desires to give us through the exercising of those righteous principles. Thank you so much for listening today. If you're enjoying this podcast, make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe, like, comment, or share. This has been Come Follow Me, Daily Dose, and I'm Lindsay Hansen.